of the Cover Zero podcast, the show where I cover the least in the best way possible. I'm your host, Jason Wells. Super Bowl week is here. I mean, it's been here. Super Bowl week has technically been the last two weeks, but we are officially less than one week away until kickoff, end of the season. It's it's a little bittersweet, you know? Um, Obviously, the Super Bowl is the culmination of the whole season. It's the big end-of-the-year party, end-of-the-season party. Uh, it's a spectacle. I'm very excited. I'm very excited every year for the Super Bowl, uh, one of my favorite events of the year. And this will be a very, very, very good game. And we're not really going to talk about it this episode. That's what Friday's episode is for. Um, Cameron, the resident Niners fan, will be joining me on the call Um, But yeah, for this episode, I teased it last week. I am going over the 10s Super Bowl, so starting off in the 2010-2011 season and ending in the 2019-2020 season, Um, which is honestly a pretty fitting way to end because if you didn't know, the 1920 Super Bowl was the Chiefs going up against the 49ers, and now four years later, we are getting that rematch again. Um. Yeah, so this episode, I'm going to go, I'm going to rank, I'm going to talk about all those games where I was, because these were my kind of first 10 Super Bowls. I mean, I said it, I think my first one was that Steelers-Cardinals one, and then since then, my full attention has been NFL, NFL, NFL. But yeah, I'll get a kind of little peek, peek behind the scenes of a young Jason and how he felt during each of these Super Bowl runs and the teams going into it. But, um, yeah, um, I guess we'll start this episode like we normally do with the NFL Weekly Update. A uh, few more coaching news, coordinator hires more than anything right now, a couple retirements. Um, so let's start off with the commanders. Obviously, commanders appointed Dan Quinn. <coughs> oh, God, I felt that one coming. My apologies. Um, Yeah, the Commanders obviously hired Dan Quinn last week, and since then, Dan Quinn has named his offensive coordinator, and it is Cliff Kingsbury. Again, kind of how I felt with the Dan Quinn hire. This isn't a inspiring hire. Uh, Dan Quinn made kind of notes of when he was the Falcons head coach, that this is like, oh, I got my Shanahan now. Eh, like, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit there. Um, yeah, it's not a necessarily great hire. Obviously, I think Kingsbury has a lot of work to do. He wasn't a good head coach. Now, being an offensive coordinator, just focusing on the offense, let's see if he can do it. Um, obviously, they are in a position to pick their quarterback of the future, and I'm sure that they will. Um, with this move, there's been some rumors, oh, are the commanders trying to trade up to one to grab Caleb Williams and reunite Cliff and Caleb at USC. Uh, In the Cliff's one year at USC, that was Caleb's worst year at USC. I mean, it was only his second year, and his first year he won the Heisman. So kind of hard to have a better season than a Heisman winning season. But um, yeah, again, I'm not really, I don't really get it. Um, But the commanders have been making interesting moves. So I guess, I guess we'll see what really happens. Good for Kingsbury for getting back in the NFL, I guess. Um, We'll keep going. Um, Got some Patriots coordinator hires. Uh, Alex Van Pelt is the new Pats OC, and Demarcus Covington is their new defensive coordinator. Uh, Alex Alex Van Pelt, I'm trying to remember. He was was the Packers quarterback coach uh, when Rodgers was there. and then he was the Browns' offensive coordinator for the last uh, three years. So, obviously has some pretty good experience. Pretty good experience with working one of, with one of the best QB talents this league has seen. Um, and he brought the Browns. I mean, he made Baker Mayfield in his first couple years look pretty good. Got the running game going. Um, so, we'll see. 
we'll see. I think a lot of my a lot of these Patriots hires right now, it's truly like a I have no idea what to expect type of thing. Again, how much of it was Alex Van Pelt for the Browns and how much of it was Kevin Stefanski. Um and DeMarcus Covington on the other side of the ball, their new defensive coordinator. Uh, this is an in-house hire. He was previously their outside linebackers coach, then their defensive line coach. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see how he does. Obviously, it's a face then that the defensive guys are familiar with, a guy that's been in-house, or a guy who's been there for quite a while already, so I'm sure that they respect him. Um, but, yeah, a couple other, I think, the Pats also brought in Ben McAdoo as like an offensive like assistant. This is quite literally the first time in my life where I don't know what to expect from the coaching. Like I don't know what to expect from the coaches in New England right now. With Bill and with McDaniel, it's like you always knew that it was going to be we're going to play great defense. Again, it's what I've been preaching since I've had this podcast basically where the Pats are going to control the clock, play great defense, force turnovers, run the ball, take their chunks when they need to, play very conservative football, but it is winning football at the end of the day. And now I don't know. Now with Gerard Mayo as the new head coach, he's taking over play calling duties. Uh, Steve Belichick is also gone from the Pats. He was their defensive play caller the last few years. Uh, He is left to go to Washington University to be their defensive coordinator. So good for Steve paving his own path right now. But uh, yeah, I I have questions about the coaching. And it's not like I'm like, oh, this coaching staff is going to stink. But it's just truly a question mark. All of these people are relatively in their first time positions here so it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together it'll be interesting to see how mayo does calling the plays and not a belichick um yeah a lot of weird for me to say but there's a lot of excitement in the pats organization right now but it's also a lot of question marks where this could be Great hirings, and Mayo's the guy, and this gets them right back on track to being a playoff contender. Or they've lost Bill. This defense is going to lose some of their shine, even though I like a lot of the pieces on it. Um, but I guess we will see. This is this is truly a tipping point for the Patriots right now. I mean, again, they're picking third overall. They're at the start of a complete rebuild. They need a quarterback, obviously, but... These next few months are going to be very telling to be like, okay, the Patriots are back on the up and up or nope, they're staying as a bottom 10 team in this league for at least a few more years now. Uh, Let's keep going, though. Uh, Bill Callahan, the Browns offensive line coach, has left the Browns. Uh, They let him leave, essentially, to go be a coach on the Titans staff with his uh, son Brian Callahan, who's now their new head coach. So very good for the Browns to do to see a very unique situation happening here where a father and son can coach together. little weird that the son is uh, technically his dad's boss, but uh, that's part of the fun. And Bill Callahan is one of the best offensive line guys that they have in this league, so the Titans should feel very lucky with him because that offensive line is crap. So Bill is going to get in there and get his hands dirty, make these make this Titans offensive line hopefully pretty formidable. Um, yeah, and uh, Browns now obviously that leaves them a big hole um, in their coaching ranks. But uh, Joe Thomas, I think, got reached out to see if he was interested. Not a bad name. I don't know how much he really wants to get back into the coaching because coaching is a grind. And a lot of these guys, they experience the grind. They played through the NFL. I don't know a lot of them who want to go back to working those long, long days and being on the road constantly and away from their families. I think that a lot of these NFL guys have it pretty cushy in the media right now where one, two spots a week here and there. Um, so, yeah, so don't know don't know who is going to be the new offensive line coach, but maybe Joe Thomas. I don't know. That would be a fun one. And we get some retirements now. Uh, Buccaneers center Ryan Jensen is retiring from the NFL. Um, he announced his retirement, 
I think at the end of last season, and then he's like, no, I'm coming back, and then had an injury in August that held him out for the rest of the season, but he is officially done now. Uh, Very, very good center for a long, long time. Um, Probably a good haul of very good candidate uh, for this coming summer, but uh, hats off. Excellent career, Ryan. Uh, Sad to see it end that way, but a very, very good career. Um, Another retirement here, Teddy Bridgewater is officially done out of the league, a 2014, uh, I think second round draft pick, or was he the end of round one? No, I think he was end of round one. The Vikings traded up, uh, started off his career relatively hot, looking good, had some very, very bad knee injuries, and he bounced back, and he showed that he could be a capable starter at points in this league. Um, but yeah, it is no more for Teddy. He is going back to his alma mater in Florida to be their head coach. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I've always loved Teddy Bridgewater. He was one of my, the 2014 draft was like the first draft I got invested in. And Teddy was my QB one in that draft. Uh, I enjoyed watching him play at Louisville. I enjoyed watching his career with the Vikings and wherever he went, whether it be the Saints, I mean, he was on the Dolphins, the Panthers, uh, just seemed like a really good guy to have in the locker room, and yeah, Teddy Bridgewater is done. Head coaching is, yeah, coaching is high school, that's going to be interesting, that'll be fun, I don't know if coaching is something that he wants to, like, really get into, and if he does well at his high school, maybe he'll jump up to college, who knows, maybe Louisville gives him, uh, gives him a job or something like that, but, uh, yeah, good for Teddy, good for Teddy Two Gloves, uh, very good NFL career, congrats, Teddy, and another retirement here, Rex Burkhead, former Bengal, former Patriot, and I think the Patriots is where we all really know him from, uh, he is also retiring after a 10-year career, I believe, a Super Bowl champion with those uh, with those Patriots against the Falcons, that was, I mean, we'll talk about that Super Bowl very shortly, but uh, truly, I mean, just a do-it-all back. He would give up his body in the uh, in the blocking game. He was sure-handed as a catcher. He was a solid runner. Uh, just truly a Belichick type of player. And he was. I mean, Bill obviously loved his those running backs like that, whether it be a Burkhead or a Danny Woodhead or a James White, uh, do-it-all guys who want to win it no matter what. Uh, Burkhead was fun. Burkhead had a great career, Super Bowl champion, but uh, another one of these guys who obviously, they won't even be in my hall of very good, but guys from technically my childhood who are now retiring and not, again, they're not well-known guys, but for football fans, we know these guys, and uh I wish them the best in whatever uh, they have in the future. And last note up here, uh, the NFL has announced that uh, after the Thursday night football kickoff for next season, there will be a Friday game in Brazil in Sao Paulo. Um, First game ever in South America. That'll be very, very exciting. I'm interested to see what, like, the atmosphere in a place like... uh, Brazil would be. I think the uh, Brazil obviously has a pretty big uh, NFL market down there for the NFL to be willing to give them a game and give them which should be a good game because we know that the Eagles are hosting the game, hosting in air quotes there. Um, we don't know obviously who they're playing, but that'll be wild. I'm sure that some of like the overhead shots of the stadium and It'll be very cool. It'll be a very, very long flight for some of these guys, too. Obviously, time zones stay the same, but it'll be wild flights. I mean, I guess that's why they're having it the first week in that first Friday, basically. So I think I saw, like, we're going to get Thursday night football, then we're going to have this Friday NFL Brazil game, and I think college football that weekend is like Texas and Michigan, and then Sunday night football, or then Sunday football, and then Monday night football. (sighs) We're so far away from it, and we still, like, the season's not even done yet, and I'm already talking about next season, but uh, yeah, that'll do it for the NFL Weekly Update. 
let's get right into these tens Super Bowl rankings. So starting off with Steelers Packers in the 2010-2011 season and ending with Chiefs Niners, rather fitting, uh, in the 2019-2020 season. So how I'm going to do this, I'm not going to just kind of go uh, 10 to 1, do the rankings. I'm going to go like chronologically uh, in the game. So I'm going to start with the 2011 Super Bowl and go all the way down to the 2020 Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, I guess let's just start off with the... Uh, uh, with the Steelers and Packers Super Bowl. I mentioned it last week, but this was kind of the first one where I had some bets with some friends about who was going to win. This would have been, I think, grade seven, me, grade eight? Grade eight. This was this was my grade eight Super Bowl, I believe, but Steelers 25, Packers 31. Um, and my main takeaway from this game was Big Ben sold in kind of like the worst way possible. Uh, I think he had two interceptions. Yeah, I mean, I have the stats in front of me. Two interceptions on the day uh, and two big interceptions. Again, they only lost by uh, they only lost by six points at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, this was my sorry, oh, I got the wrong notes up here. Yeah, this was my number five Super Bowl of the 2010s. And this was a very good game. This looked like it was going to be a runaway game for the Packers from the very beginning. And then all of a sudden, Charles Woodson gets hurt. Obviously, one of the best corners, safeties, defensive backs this league has seen. Former Heisman winner at Michigan. But uh, he gets hurt, and then kind of the Steelers start clawing and clawing back. But uh, it seemed that whenever the Steelers made, uh, made a move... Rodgers was able to answer, but uh, yeah, the Packers' defense is the real winner of this game, forcing three turnovers and doing it with no Charles Woodson. I think if Charles Woodson was in this game, um, the Packers would have won this one with relative ease, I guess you could say. Um, But yeah, this was, I mean, going into it, it was Big Ben going for his third Super Bowl versus Rodgers looking for his first and ended up being his only Super Bowl. I mean, he's still playing technically. He's not winning a Super Bowl with the Jets. Who are we kidding, people? Um, but, yeah, this was... Rodgers did everything he needed. Um, and I got to talk about this Steelers receiving group from this game. Um, one of the best wide receiving rooms, probably, like, in history, if you just take everyone's, like, prime zoom into account... So we got Heinz Ward, Hall of Famer, a little bit past his prime at this age, uh, but we got Heinz Ward, we got Mike Wallace, who Mike Wallace is probably like the worst guy I'm going to name here, but at that point, I think after this season, he signed his big deal with Miami, and that didn't really work out well, but Mike Wallace in Pittsburgh was a a burner, very good player. Then we have guys like Emmanuel Sanders, who obviously went on to be a very good wide receiver, uh, Super Bowl winner with these upcoming Broncos that I will talk about. Um, we got Antoine Randall, the former quarterback turned wide receiver, do it all guy. Um, and then we have someone like Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was a rookie that year. He was returning punts, but every time AB touched the ball, you could tell that he was better than these other guys that they were trotting out. And I'm pretty sure. One of the receivers got banged up in the game. I forget who, but they started giving Antoine Randall snaps instead of Antonio Brown. Maybe if you would have given AB some snaps, uh, you would have won that Super Bowl. But um, yeah, this was, again, this was ranked number five. There's obviously some very good Super Bowls of this decade, but uh, wasn't wasn't a lot of drama in this one. It seemed like the Packers were in command from the start and they never really let go um, so yeah, the Steelers Packers Super Bowl coming in at number five on my ranking. Uh, we will move on now to the 2012 Super Bowl, Pat 17, Giants 25, and this one comes in at number seven in my rankings. Uh, one of the lower scoring Super Bowls of this decade, and 
was fairly entertaining. This was a big defensive matchups. I mean, you look at some of the guys on defense for these teams. For the Giants, we had Justin Tuck. We got a young Jason Pierre-Paul, O.C. Uminiora, Chris Canty. Uh, the defensive lines were absolutely insane in this one. On the Pat side, uh, Rob Ninkovich, uh, Vince Wilfork. Yeah, I think those were the guys. Been, eh. And then future Patriots head coach Gerard Mayo. Like this was this was the building of the kind of what we saw for the rest of the decade team for the Patriots. They got Devin McCourty. They got I thought I saw Donta Hightower there. Never mind. I did not see Donta Hightower there. Either way, this was a battle of the trenches. Um and the the Giants just came out ahead. I mean, we all remember the Mario Manningham pass, the Giants driving down, uh, score a touchdown, and Eli just throws the absolute perfect pass on the sideline for Manningham to toe-tap it in to continue their drive down the field. Um, yeah, this uh, this comes in at number seven for me. It was a good game. It was a very good game. Uh, Brady had time in the end to come down and win this one but some drops from I think one one Wes Welker drop was which was a very bad uncharacteristic drop from him another one from Aaron Hernandez on that final drive but again the Patriots had time and we've seen Tom drive down the field he just couldn't do it this time uh but yeah no this was to me this was really my first introduction to Tom Brady I was way too young to remember those first three Super Bowls of him. I mean, his third one, I would have been seven. And at that point, I was a hockey fan. Wade Redden was my favorite hockey player. If you don't know who Wade Redden is, I don't know why you would, if we're being honest. Um, Yeah, so this was kind of my first real introduction to playoff Brady. And obviously, there was like the wild card games and the divisional, the championships and stuff. But like Super Bowl Brady, and I saw him not being able to get it done. Now, obviously, a lot of factors and some drops and some penalties, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't really wowed by my first Brady performance. Um, I think that's fair to say. Uh, in this one, what did he finish? 27 of 41, 276, two TDs and an interception. Also had a safety in this one. The game started with a safety. Uh, Giants punted, uh, pinned them deep. Uh, so Brady gets the ball, drops back in the pocket, he's in the end zone, and then throws it away, and throws it away to to no one, so safety, um, kind of funny that that's how that game started, but um, yeah, it was a good game, didn't wow me, Uh, obviously Manning 2-0 versus Brady, and I mean, Eli in in Super Bowl games, he was also great in this one, 30 of 40, 296, uh, passing TD, and, like, this was a very, very fun Giants offense here. This is when they had uh, Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs running the ball, the real thunder and lightning duo. I forget how big Brandon Jacobs was, but he was a, yeah. Brandon Jacobs, 6'4", 264. Try finding a running back like that today. Um, that man was a monster. And then, yeah, Manning was throwing guys, throwing to guys like, Hakeem Nixon, Victor Cruz. I think this was one of Victor Cruz's first years in the league, you know, doing that salsa dance that Victor Cruz does. Um, Yeah, this was a fun, fun, fun game. And obviously, Pats on the other side with Gronk and Hernandez and Welker. Um, Yeah, and the Gronk and Hernandez duo was, uh, why isn't this working? There we go. Uh, was big for them. I mean, Gronk in this game, only two catches for 26 yards, but Aaron Hernandez, eight catches, 67 yards, and a TD. It would have been, obviously, Aaron Hernandez, very bad person, murderer, but um, it would have been interesting to see what Bill could have done with Gronk and Hernandez going forward into the future, running those two tight end sets. Because no one's really tried to replicate it yet. And you need guys, two guys like Gronk and Hernandez, who are just monsters who can block, but are also just like monsters in the 
pass game for you who can get those yak yards. Either way, I'm kind of rambling at this point, but um, yeah, uh, Pats, yeah, Giants 21, Pats 17 comes in at number seven. Um, on to the 2013 Super Bowl now, Ravens 34, 49ers 29, and we all remember this game as the blackout game uh, where it seemed like the Ravens, they had all the momentum, they were up, uh, I don't think they were actually up by that much, I think I was building it in my head that they were up by quite a bit, but I think it was, uh, I think it was like 28-13 when the lights went out, and then here come the Niners roaring back to try to make this a game, um, but yeah, this was really, I mean, we'll start with the Ravens here, but uh, what the fuck off with the chicken fingers at from Dairy Queen here. Fucking PFF. Uh, PFR, not PFF. We are not fans of PFF in this house. Um, but yeah, let's just start with the Ravens. I mean, actually, let's start with the coaching matchup. It was the Harbowl, the Harbaugh brothers both facing against each other in the Super Bowl, Jim versus John. John got the better of him, obviously, but uh, yeah, this Flacco or this Ravens run by Flacco, I mean, Flacco had an incredible postseason. I'm pretty sure he didn't have any interceptions. I think he had nine touchdowns in his three games that he played, something like that, but he was electric and someone to not be outdone in this run is a guy named Jacoby Jones, who I think for like a three, four-year run was the most electric kick returner that the league had since a guy like Devin Hester. Um, I think he returned one in this game too, if I... Yep, yeah, he had the longest kickoff return in NFL history. This says 108, I think they said 109 on the broadcast, but... uh, yeah, he was incredible for them in this game. He was incredible for them in that AFC Championship game against the Broncos. But uh, yeah, this uh, the Ravens team came up big. And just to name some of the guys on the team, so we got guys like Joe Flacco. He was throwing to Anquan Bolden and Torrey Smith with Ed Dixon and uh, Dennis Pitta at tight end. Uh run game with Ray Rice, Bernard Pierce, Pierce and Vonta Leach. Um, and I mean, the guys on the defense, and this was a couple guys last seasons for this team, guys like Ed Reed, guys like Ray Lewis, who went out on top, uh, on the top of their games, but also had guys like Haloti uh, Hel- uh, Nada, Bernard Pollard, Terrell Suggs, um, Jimmy Smith, Yeah, this was it was this was a very fun team for the Ravens to go against and this Super Bowl comes in at number 3 for me. Um it was wildly entertaining and for someone who was rooting for the Ravens in that game, um it was good. It was I mean, it was all the drama, all the Ravens are going to run away from it and then the blackout drama and having all teams. I think it was a 45 minute delay. And then when it finally gets back on track, here come the Niners and they're jumping on them. And we'll talk about this Niners team too now, I guess. Since, uh, but this was this was the Kaepernick run, and obviously we know what Kaepernick has gone on to do and become at this point a little bit of an NFL pariah. But um, he was he was incredible during that run uh in this one was 16 of 28 for 302 with a touchdown and an interception also added 62 yards rushing and a TD but uh yeah he had Frank Gore he had Michael Crabtree he had Vernon Davis he had Delaney Walker he had old ass Randy Moss uh this again this was a fun Niners offense and a lot of names that I like I mean Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker, both men inducted into my hall of very good. And I'm just talking about like, oh, like it's weird that no team has really tried to replicate the two tight end thing. Um, Obviously not to the same extent of the Patriots, but the, uh, 
uh, the Niners also did it very well during that stretch. Um, and then, like, the guys on defense that they had, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, also Hall of Very Good. Um, Justin Smith, Alden Smith. Uh, and Justin Smith is one of those guys who does not get enough credit uh, for his career. And honestly, I think he might be a Hall of Very Good candidate for this season was a five-time pro bowler one-time all pro either way i don't have to get into his career but either way lots of very good teams and i came down to the final drive with cap throwing a fade away to crabtree and it getting knocked away no good um they would have had time to run the ball and run the ball with frank gore which they've been doing well but they opted for the pass to conserve clock um to know if it was the right call. I do know one of these Super Bowls we're going to talk about where definitely was the right call to run the ball, but uh, we will get into that in a bit. Um, but yeah, this Super Bowl comes in at number three for me, one of the best ones of this decade, in my opinion. And next year up, the 2014 Super Bowl, one of the worst Super Bowls, in my opinion. Well, I mean, it comes in, it's it's last. It's dead last in my rankings. Uh, Seahawks 43, Broncos 8. Um, this game was over the minute it started, basically. Broncos get the ball. Yeah. Broncos start off the ball and bad snap over Payton's head. He wasn't ready for it. He wasn't looking for it. Over his head, into the end zone. Safety, 2 nothing. Seahawks, and then it was full throttle. We're going for it. Um, this would have been Russ's second year in the league, and he made it count. Uh, it was 18 of 25, 206 yards, two TDs, out of 26 yards rushing. But they really didn't need to do much in this one because the Broncos just kind of did it to themselves. I mean, there was... There was a safety. There was a pick six from Malcolm Smith, who was the Super Bowl MVP in this one. He was also the one who deflected the ball or got the game-sealing interception against the Niners in the NFC Championship game. Um, yeah, they also allowed, I think, Percy Harvin. He had a kick return to start the second half, like... It, it was truly, like, it was over from the very beginning, and it was very tough to see a Peyton Manning-led team go out like that, just totally dominated. And this was the year that Manning, I think he broke the yards record and he broke the TDs record, and this was what the best offense in football really showed up. Um, but, yeah, back to the uh, back to the Seahawks. Like, they didn't have to do much on offense like really Marshawn only had 39 yards rushing and a TD uh like again they did enough but it wasn't it was the defense and it was the legion of boom who finally get to or I don't know why I said finally get to talk about the legion of boom but get to talk about the legion of boom with guys like Cam Chancellor Earl Thomas uh Richard Sherman Byron Maxwell um, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep naming guys, but that was the Legion of Boom. Those four guys right there, um, Bobby Wagner and Cager, right at uh, linebacker. Uh, they had Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett on that defensive line, Bruce Irvin, um, and again Malcolm Smith. Also, they like this defense was one of the best of this decade, and they proved it against one of the best offenses this decade has also seen. Um, yeah, the Broncos on the other side. It was just they they got whooped, and the team that had no Sean Moreno, C.J. Anderson, Demarius Thomas, Wes Welker, Julius Thomas, Eric Decker, couldn't do, couldn't do anything. They, like, thankfully scored a touchdown, but, uh, yeah, it was very, very embarrassing for the Broncos, and that's why it is my last Super Bowl uh, of this decade, coming in at number 10. And next up, 2015, Patriots-Seahawks. Patriots 28, Seahawks 24. Um, 
this was a very, very good game. And probably would have been higher if it ended the way that it should have ended with Pete Carroll giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch and having that be that. Um, but either way, uh, Brady was excellent in this one. 37 of 50, 328 yards, four TDs, two interceptions. Uh, it was truly back and forth, back and forth all game from these two. Uh, the defense is stepping up also a little bit when it mattered, but, uh, yeah, this was kind of like a Julian Edelman. Like now we get to see Super Bowl jewels. He had nine catches, 109 yards and TD in this one. Uh, Gronk six catches, 68 yards and a TD. I, I don't know why I'm giving off stats. I probably shouldn't be giving off stats, but, um, yeah, the Super Bowl comes in at number four for me for this decade. And again, could have been higher, but I mean, the way that this game ends, uh, it looked like it was going to be another man or yeah, Manning to Tyree helmet catch type play. But, um, no, it was Russ throwing a Jermaine curse curse coming down with that ball. I don't know how he came down with it, but it was excellent putting them right, right in the red zone. Uh, I think, Inside the 10-yard line, they run the ball with Marshawn. Marshawn gets them to the two. They got three more downs to score a touchdown. Plenty of time left. I think they had a timeout as well. And what do they do the next play? They run kind of a rub route to curse. And here comes Super Bowl. I mean, Super Bowl champion, obviously, but because he wasn't Super Bowl MVP. But the guy who won the Pats Super Bowl is what I'm trying to say. Malcolm Butler. In he died. He read the play. He knew what was happening, and he picked off Curse right at the right moment. Picked off Russ, and that is the end of the game. If they hand off Marshawn Lynch the ball, they win that game. Like I'm sorry, they win that game. Um, and it pissed me off. It pissed me off a lot rewatching this game because. I forgot that it was second down on the two-yard line with, like, less than a minute to go. They had tons of time to score the ball and not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch, who is just a battering ram, who always gets yards after contact no matter what it seems. And no, you decided to throw a stupid little rub route to curse that gets picked off. Um, yeah, the Seahawks deserved to lose this one. Um... But yeah, Tom gets his fourth. Tom gets his fourth ring at that point. Um, and again, my second introduction, Tom Brady Super Bowl, was a game that probably he shouldn't have won. And I think you can see the pattern now where there's a reason why I didn't like Brady or consider him the GOAT was because, I mean, he lost that Super Bowl to Eli and then wins wins this one when probably they shouldn't have. And obviously... A lot goes into winning a games, and there were some mistakes that the Patriots made that they probably shouldn't have, and vice versa on the Seahawks, but the Seahawks had the ball on the two-yard line with Marshawn fucking Lynch, and were just like, no, I'm not, we're not going to hand him off, and he was having a great game, too. He had 102 yards and a touchdown. Um, Really, really, really just fucking pisses me off. Um, I think the last thing I have to talk about in this game is... Chris Matthews, and if you don't know who Chris Matthews is, you shouldn't, um, but he was kind of the Super Bowl darling in this one, he had four catches for 109 yards, and then after that, didn't really play, um, he moved around teams, but only finished his career with 176 yards, but, uh, and again, that's something that Chris Matthews could have looked back on and been like, I had 106 yards and a Super Bowl ring. Look at me. But nope, Pete Carroll decided to rob Chris Matthews of that moment and not hand off the ball to Marshawn Lynch. So this game comes in at number four for me. Um, yeah, disappointing, disappointing. Uh, 2016 Super Bowl, Panthers 10, Broncos 24. Um, this was a defensive matchup. This was this Broncos defense essentially just carrying the corpse of Paid Manning at this point to a Super Bowl and 
Payton was enough of a game manager in this game to allow them to win, and he still stunk. He had 141 yards and an interception in this one. Um, but yeah, it was truly the defense for this uh, for this Broncos team that was the difference maker. One of the best defenses of this decade. Uh, with guys like T.J. Ward, Vaughn Miller, Demarcus Ware, Chris Harris, uh, Malik Jackson, Akib Talib, Bradley Roby, Shaq Barrett, uh, and like there, there, there's more guys that I can mention like too, like a Danny Trevathan, a Derek Wolf, a Brandon Marshall, like all guys who are very good players in this league at one point or another. I mean, I think I just named off probably at least three Hall of Famers from that defense, maybe four with Aqib Tlaib. I'm not too sure. He is in the Hall of Very Good already. I will mention that. But, uh, yeah, there was nothing the uh, there was nothing the Panthers could do in this one. Like, it was not their matchup. Cam couldn't be Superman and carry this team like he did that entire season because this was the Cam MVP year. This was Cam was unstoppable and made this group of bums look look serviceable because the guys who Cam was passing to, uh, Ted Ginn, notable first-round bust, went on to have a long career. Um, but yeah, Ted Ginn, Corey Brown, Devin Funches, Jericho Cautry. Um, he had Greg Olson also, who's probably his only redeemable player here. And then Jonathan Stewart and Fozzie Whitaker, running the ball, uh, somehow made it to a Super Bowl. And that just shows how good Cam was during that quite literally like couple-year stretch, but he won the MVP that year. He was fantastic, and he almost won the game carrying those group of guys. And I'm just going to say them again. Ted Ginn, Corey Brown, Devin Funches, Jericho Cotri were his four wide receivers for this game. Just adds to the legend of Cam Newton. Cam Newton, one of the best peaks we've seen from the league. Um, yeah, but also have to talk about this uh, this Panthers defense because it's also what kept them in the game. But uh, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, uh, Shaq Thompson, Josh Norman, Jaron Allen, Jared Allen, Kwan Short, uh, Coney Ely had three sacks in this one. Um, but yeah, it was truly, it was just, the defense was just way too much for the Panthers to try to overcome. And even though the Broncos offense was equally crap, the Broncos defense was just that much of a difference maker in that game. And that's why, uh, that's why they won it. That's why Von Miller was MVP because he, what did he finish in this game? I think he had two and a half sacks and a forced fumble. Um, Two forced fumbles. Yeah, he was he was incredible in that game. Um, yeah, I think my one kind of like uh, note on the game was this was uh, the game where obviously Cam forced fumble at the end. He has an opportunity to dive on it. And he kind of like steps, boop, kind of steps back, doesn't like fully commit to the ball. Uh, watching it back over, watching it live, it still pissed me off in the moment. Um he should have dove on the football. Now, I don't think that the Panthers go on to win that game regardless, but, like, that was quite, like, it wasn't the turning point in the game, but that was the end of the game, and he decided not to go for the ball regardless. Doesn't matter at the end of the day, but, uh, yeah, that was the closest the Panthers have been to a Super Bowl, and they haven't even been close to getting back since. Uh... And yeah, this comes in at my, as the ninth, uh, ninth ranked Super Bowl. So the Broncos, uh, the two times they were in the Super Bowl, put up the worst performances of the decade, in my opinion. Uh, and we will go on to the 20s, or actually, I got one more story, yeah. The 2016 Super Bowl, I think was the first year I had some of the boys over to my dad's place in the basement, and... I was wearing my Panthers hat, cheering for the Panthers with Moob, and I was like, because again, I was, what, that was the 2016 Super Bowl, so 2015 season, 
So I would have been 18 at the time. Still can't drink beer legally in Ontario, but there was some uh, beers that were left uh, downstairs in the basement that I was like, ah, I'll just have those, whatever. Won't have to ask anyone for anything. So I drank those, not knowing that beer could really expire. Um, but yeah, as I was, as I was sipping these beers, I think they were like uh, Muskoka beers didn't know how old they were but as i was drinking the game i just kept getting a headache more and more of a headache not realizing what it was the beer and uh yeah i felt like shit by the end of the game don't really remember a lot of the game that's why i rewatched it and i didn't really have to remember much of that because it was a boring boring game um yeah 2017 super bowl now uh patriots 34 falcons 28 in overtime um Again, was one of these games where this was my final straw with Brady being like, yep, I can see he's the GOAT when it matters. He comes up clutch, does what he needs to do. But again, a game that the Patriots should not have won. And watching it back, I just realized how badly... Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan fumbled the bag at the end of the game. Um, so the yeah, so the Patriots were up, or no, the Falcons were up twenty-eight to three. Obviously, that's the big thing. They're up twenty-eight to three. Blew that, but it ended up being twenty-eight to twenty-one with I think three minutes left, under three minutes left, and Matt Ryan throws this absolute, like, beautiful ball to Julio. Julio, one of the best catches, toe taps on the sideline. Beauty of a throw, puts them at, I think, almost in the red zone. And the next, I'm trying to remember. So they run the ball, two-yard gain, doesn't really do anything. And then the next two plays, they're in field goal range. You would seemingly think being up by 10 with, like, two minutes to go, you win the game. But what do they decide to do? Um, drop back to pass. Matt Ryan takes a big sack. Uh, drops, like, still in field goal range. So it's like, okay, not bad. Second play. Matt Ryan drops back to pass. No one's open, but holding offense, number whatever the hell he was, drops him back even further, drops him out of field goal range now, and they got to punt it. They then the Patriots get a ball, get the drive to go down the field and tie the game with a touchdown. They did it. Patriots get the ball to start overtime. They go down the field, score. Game is over. Uh, yeah. So again, Falcons should have won this one, and this is kind of why I have some gripes with the Dan Quinn hire for the Commanders is because people want to blame Kyle Shanahan, and I think that's fine. He went uber conservative in the second half and probably shouldn't have, but uh. Dan, it is on Dan Quinn, the head coach, to listen to what Kyle's saying and what he's saying to Matt Ryan to be like, no, we're not passing the ball here. We're just going to run it twice, kick the field goal, be safe, go win the game. Um, yeah, but they didn't. Tom wins his fifth Super Bowl and one of the best comebacks ever. I mean, being up 28 to 3 with like. I think there was like two minutes left in the third or something like that. Like, again, a game that they shouldn't have won, but uh, that is just the greatness of this Patriots team and Brady. Uh, and can't forget about Julian Edelman with, again, one of the best catches in Super Bowl history, kind of their own Manning to Tyree moment where Brady throws it up, tosses it up to Edelman, Edelman in triple coverage, seemingly balls getting swatted away he has it it's about to hit the uh, like let's go about to hit the ground and he grabs it right before he hits the ground it's literally an inch off the ground and again that was one of those difference makers where if Edelman doesn't make that catch the Patriots don't win the game um this was again and other than uh, other than Edelman that's that's all Brady had in this one so you got to give him credit there uh, Gronk was injured, and then he was throwing to guys like Danny Amendola, uh, James White, Martellus Bennett, Malcolm Mitchell, who, Malcolm Mitchell is also one of those guys who had a great playoff run and then kind of just disappeared, did nothing. Um, 
Chris Hogan. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Totally forgot James White. Yeah. 14 receptions, 110 yards. And he was the, uh, the winner, the, uh, the touchdown to win the Super Bowl. I don't know why I said that in such a weird way, but, uh, and then, yeah, on the other side for these Falcons, it was Matt Ryan's MVP year, uh, Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman rushing the ball, doing a good job. Uh, and then, yeah, Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Taylor Gabriel, Austin Hooper as Matt Ryan's weapons. Uh, just just wasn't enough, really, for the, uh, for the Falcons. But this was also a big... Defensive battle, both offensive lines were letting up pressure all day. Trey Flowers had two and a half sacks. Donta Hightower had a sack. Uh, Branch, Jabal Sherd, Kyle Van Noy each had half half a sack. Also, just shout out to Kyle Van Noy for just being solid, very dependable his entire career. Uh, Came away with a couple Super Bowls because of it. And then, yeah, on the other side, this was kind of Grady Jarrett's coming out party. Uh, He had... Three sacks, Dwight Freeney had a sack, Courtney Upshaw had a sack, and shout out to Robert Alford, who had a pick six, which should have been the, like, game sealer, okay, pats are done, but nope, is what it is, um, but yeah, this game comes in at number two for me, uh, again, just mainly because I'm anti-pats, and that's just kind of my bias, but the Falcons should have won that game, it is what it is, but that game comes in at number two, uh, 2018 now, uh, Eagles 41, Patriots 33. This was a fantastic game. I remember for this game, uh, Super Bowl party was at my friend Travis's place. We were watching and I was doing snow removal, like overnight shifts. And it was snowing that night and I was scheduled for a shift. But I was like, okay, no, like the Super Bowl will be over by then. Me being an idiot and me forgetting that, oh, the game might start at 630, but it still ends at like 11 because halftime and all the whatever. Uh, so yeah, I had to leave during the fourth quarter to get to my snow removal shift. And I remember just being in the truck, driving the site, watching it on my phone and seeing, uh, was it Brandon Graham? Yeah, it was Brandon Graham forcing that fumble to make sure the Eagles to clinch that Super Bowl. Uh, but this was this was a very fun game. This was back and forth all game between Foles and Brady. Uh, both played excellent. I mean, Brady had 505 yards in this one. I think that's the Super Bowl record. Uh, Nick Foles, 373 yards. Also had a receiving TD. Can't forget about the Philly special. And that's why you go for it on fourth downs. You know, you gotta you gotta try to win games. Uh, but yeah, this was just kind of, I mean, this was the Carson Wentz MVP year. Then he gets hurt. And I actually saw uh, Nick Foles play play the Giants in one of like the Eagles like earlier starts in that run. So kind of get cool to see that I saw a Super Bowl winning team. Didn't know it at that point because Wentz went down and Nick Foles was the backup. And it's like, ah, okay, let's see what he can do. And Nick Foles went on one of the best Super Bowl runs in history. Probably to never be replicated. Uh, who can forget about the legend of Big Dick Nick? Um, but yeah, this was a great game. Uh, Garrett Blunt on the other side uh, for the Eagles after winning two Super Bowls with these Patriots. Uh, but yeah, and then Jay Ajayi also running the ball there. But yeah, throwing to Nelson Aguilar, uh, Corey Clement. Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Torrey Smith. Uh, I don't think I realized that Torrey Smith was a two-time Super Bowl champion. Good for you, Torrey. Um, and yeah, Brady on the other side. Uh, he's got Amendola. He's got Gronk. He's got Brandon Cooks, Chris Hogan, Philip Dorsett. This was truly like the big <laughs> misfit group for the Pats. Obviously, uh, Edelman was hurt. Uh yeah, Hogan had a huge game. Amendola had a huge game. Gronk had a huge game. They really just, I mean, they didn't even try to run the ball, really. Um, which, why would you if Brady has 505 yards? But, uh, yeah, this was this was an excellent game. And that one sack by Brandon Graham and the one force fumble was 
ended up being the difference maker. Um, yeah, this was just, I don't know, not a lot of, not a lot of bad things to say. It was high scoring, was truly just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth of who you thought was going to win. And this is why this comes in at number one in my Super Bowl rankings. Uh, I think a lot of it goes into that. I mean, Brady played excellent. The Patriots played excellent. But Nick Foles, it literally didn't matter. Uh, Nick fucking Foles. Who would, who would have thought? On to the 2019 Super Bowl now. Look at it again. The Patriots. Uh... Patriots 13, Rams 3, uh, boring game. Boring game viewer-wise. As a defensive matchup, fantastic. Bill Belichick going against Wade Phillips, two of the best defensive guys the NFL has had uh, quite literally ever. But uh, yeah, this was just kind of an overall smelly game that the defenses came out to play, and I'll just I'll read off some defensive guys on this team. So on the Patriots, you got Stephon Gilmore, Donta Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, Dietrich Weiss, Trey Flowers, J.C. Jackson, Devin McCourty. Uh, yeah, I think those were kind of like, those were like the key, key guys. Jonathan Jones also, who's still a very good player for them now. Um, and then you look on the Rams side, Aaron Donald, Akib Tlaib, Donta Fowler, and Domicasu, John Johnson, Marcus Peters, Lamarcus Joyner, Corey Littleton. Uh, yeah, these the defenses were absolutely suffocating the entire game. Neither team could really do anything um, on offense. Like, really, the uh, the Pats were running it. Actually, they weren't running it decently well. It's because Sony Michelle ripped off a big big run at the end of the game to really carry it. But, again, it was a defensive matchup. This was Jules' MVP performance, 10 catches for 141 yards. He ended up being the difference maker because on the other side, uh, Brandon Cooks was the big recipient for the Rams, uh, 8 catches, 120 yards. But he also had two dropped touchdowns in this game. I think one to close out the first half and then one at kind of the end of the game where uh, the first one was just a great play by Jason McCourty to actually get over there because Cooks was just wide open, waving his arms in the end zone. Uh, So he did make a play on the ball. But again, Cooks should have probably had it. And then the other one, it kind of went right through the cradle he was trying to make. Um this was the Todd Gurley year, though, for the uh, for the Rams. Uh, actually, it wasn't. That would have been the year after. Either way, Todd Gurley, I miss him. He was, uh, wasn't able to do much in this one, and maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe they should have gotten him more involved instead of giving C.J. Anderson seven carries. Maybe that should have went to the best running back in football at the time. I don't know. Uh... But yeah, I mean, just some fun names to look back on. Like now, uh, this team, Robert Woods, who back nine of his career right now, but uh, young, very good player for that team. Brandon Cooks, obviously. Josh Reynolds, who is now on the Lions. Uh, Gerald Everett, who who's now the Chargers tight end. But uh, yeah, these were two very, very good teams and defenses going together. And yeah, ended up being 13-3. to Was not an exciting game. Again, defensively, the defense has absolutely suffocated them, but that's always not the most interesting thing. It is what it is. And, oh yeah, and it's coming in at number eight for me. So, uh, again, it was a good game, but like, there was no real action happening. It was just defensive stop after defensive stop after defensive stop, and that's not the most exciting thing. Again, some people love the defensive matchups, but... I'd rather see points score than have 16 total points scored in the Super Bowl. Sue me. And finally, uh, 2020 Super Bowl, 49ers 20, Chiefs 31. Um, It's fitting that we're doing this now because that's obviously the Super Bowl matchup coming up. Pat Mahomes' first Super Bowl 
win. Um, and honestly, it wasn't pretty for Pat Mahomes. He didn't play great in this one, had two interceptions, but again, you see the difference maker in someone like a Pat Mahomes extending the plays, making throws that no other people could. I'm sure he'd like to have a couple of those other throws back, but he was still on it there when you needed to money. Um, and that's, I guess, why he won Super Bowl MVP. I was a little pissed off because I wanted Damian, Damian Williams, playoff Damian. I bet him Super Bowl MVP. And he should have won because he had 104 yards and a TD and 29 receiving yards and a TD. Should have went to Damian, went to Pat Mahomes. The QB bias, it is what it is. Could have made some nice money that, uh, that game, but, uh, yeah, this was, again, we were at my buddy Travis's place watching the game and was watching with Cam, and Cam was so hyped. He's like, yeah, the Niners are going to win. Same with Travis. Travis also a Niners fan, but they're watching that game. It's like, yes, the Niners are going to win. Ha, 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 ha. And then here come the Chiefs, come back, go down the field. Uh, they go up, and then it's like, okay, Jimmy G, this is on you. You got one more chance. Let's see what you can do here. And he missed Emmanuel Sanders streaking wide open down the middle of the field. Missed him, overthrew him somehow by, uh, I think, like four-ish yards. And that would have put them up. Obviously, Mahomes would have got the ball back with time left to go down and do his own thing. But, um, and again, I've been saying it. That is the difference in these Niners versus those Niners is... Jimmy G couldn't build these moments or couldn't make these moments for himself. What am I trying to say? Jimmy G couldn't lead the team to a victory. He could manage them to a victory, but that's been the difference in these playoffs so far is Brock has time after time, not put the team on his shoulders because obviously there's a lot of good pieces around him, but he does the extra thing. He goes the extra mile to make it work for this team. I mean, in the game against the Lions, it was his legs on the ground. The Packers wasn't a great game, but again, on that last drive, he showed up and put up points on the board when it mattered. Um, But yeah, so again, we get the Super Bowl matchup now. Pat Mahomes on his offense. You got Damian Williams, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Mecole Hardman, uh, Jimmy G on the other side. Mostert, Debo, Tevin Coleman, Kendrick Bourne, Emmanuel Sanders, Kittle. Um, I'd say one of these offenses has improved for this upcoming matchup, and one of them has got worse. But the defense on the other side is kind of where the difference is, because I'm looking at this, uh, this Chiefs defense right now. They had guys on the field like Daniel Sorensen, who... Not not very good at his job. Rashad Breland, old-ass Terrell Suggs, Reggie Ragland, who these are just, they're very, they're very okay. Um, but yeah, and then the defense for the Niners, Fred Warner, DeForest Buckner, Nick Bosa, Jimmy Ward, Richard Sherman, Eric Armstead, Quan Alexander, DJ Reed. I forgot that DJ Reed was on the Niners. Um... Either way, uh, yeah, this, it was, it was a good game. It wasn't great, but it comes in at number six in my rankings. So to, I guess, list them all off here, we're going with the 28 Super Bowl Eagles Patriots, number one, Pats Falcons, number two, uh, Ravens 49ers, number three, Pats Seahawks, number four. Steelers-Packers, number five. Uh, 49ers-Chiefs, number six. Pats-Giants, number seven. Rams-Patriots, number eight. Panthers-Broncos, number nine. And then Seahawks-Broncos at number 10. And that is the 10s Super Bowl ranking. Uh, Nice little trip uh, trip down memory lane. Uh, nice to rewatch those Super Bowls. Nice to have some of those same feelings come back with teams blowing games and big moments when they shouldn't. But that's the game, man. You need a little bit of luck in this league to win because it's not all black and white. Um, 
but yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Essentially, uh, I'll ramble on for a little bit more here. So next episode uh, will be the Super Bowl preview. We'll be covering, and I think we're going to go talk about some awards and stuff because that's also happening. But uh, we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about all the matchups, all the Super Bowl storylines going into it. We'll give out some prop bets. We'll make a parlay for you guys. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. If you have liked this, please like, share, retweet, subscribe, all that fun stuff. And until next time, peace. Thank you.